0: Good morning and welcome to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today on a great Monday morning. Hope you are, if you're going back to school, God bless you, students out there. Hope you have a great start to the year. If you are a parent and you're sending your kids back to school, uh, congratulations. Good job. And if you are a homeschool parent who is starting school with your kids today, my prayers are with you. Uh, in all seriousness, no, though, I know this is for a lot of people. This is the very beginning of the school year. Lots of transition, lots of changes happening, and we are very happy to be seeing the, those little skulls full of mush, hopefully getting slightly less mushy and better formed uh, in the in the process of education. Uh, obviously, this is something that we've talked about a lot on the show. The issues of uh, whether or not we're going to have parents directing the education of their kids or we're going to have the state directing education of their kids. We're going to keep talking about that throughout the next several weeks. Obviously, we've started to see things like California's not only AB twenty nine uh, 329, the California Healthy Youth Act, but we've also started to see their new ethnic studies curriculum getting uh, rolled out. And this is something that we've actually been surprised at. I've been interested to note that there has been a huge change in uh, even opinions of more progressive organizations like the Los Angeles Times. Um, The California Ethnic Studies curriculum is something that is so, it's it's hard to explain. You, You think of what they've done with sex ed and other things like that and you look at them doing that now with social science and with history. Um, one person who actually did a great job of covering this was Dr. Albert Moeller, who is, I think I've referenced him before on the podcast. Uh, he is the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and of uh, Boyce College. He has an article that he wrote a couple of days ago that is, let me read you the title. Um, it is Herstory cis heteropatriarchy and the remaking of america a new curriculum emerges in california now i, I want to read that title again because this is so complicated and so convoluted um herstory cis hetero and the remaking of america a new curriculum emerges in california so i i want to just Break this down a little bit, since we are at the start of the school year and we're talking about the types of things that the legislature is pushing forward. Um, let me read just a couple of the opening paragraphs from this article, and then we'll get a chance to talk with you a little bit more about it over the course of the show. And then we're also going to talk about all of your favorite California topics, including ACR ninety nine Assembly Concurrent Resolution ninety nine. We'll also have a chance to talk about. Uh, SB24, and we'll actually play a little bit of audio from a uh, an event that happened in Sacramento. Our staff member, Greg Burt, was in Sacramento, and he interviewed some of the people from the rally for SB24, and we will also talk about just... It just kind of a grab bag of the rest of the legislation that is still pending before California. But before we do that, let me just pl- let me read a couple of paragraphs from this article. Again, the title, if you're just listening, uh, uh, some of the craziness to come out of California, Her Story, Cis-Heteropatriarchy and the Remaking of America. So this is Dr. Albert Moeller writing on August 14th. As millions of American students prepare to return to the classroom for a new school year, it is important to reflect on the centrality of education. Every society understands that education shapes the hearts and minds of its youth, which is why education is always political and often controversial. If you control the schools, you eventually control the direction of the culture. The state of California is now establishing a, quote, ethnic or an ethnic studies curriculum for public schools particularly for high schools in the state the developing story can catch you by surprise and some might assume this is only of interest to California but what happens in California schools doesn't stay in California the state has for decades enjoyed outsized influence on such things as curriculum and textbooks because if a textbook is adopted in California the nation's most populous state that book will produce an an enormous sum of revenue and will, will likely be adopted around the nation The story demanding our attention is a new state-mandated ethnic studies curriculum for high schools. Authorities in California have released what they call a model curriculum, but this is actually a model of what happens when people seize the public schools and turn them into engines of social and moral transformation. The Wall Street Journal drew attention to this curriculum in an article by Williamson M. Evers. The headline reads, quote, California wants to teach your kids that capitalism is racist, unquote. Sounds like an innocuous headline. (laughs) Uh, The article goes on. Evers writes, quote, California's Department of Education has issued an ethnic studies model curriculum and is soliciting public comments on it until August 15th. The legislatively mandated guide is a resource for teachers who want to instruct their students in the field of ethnic studies and was written by an advisory board of teachers, academics, and bureaucrats. Then Evers declares, it's as bad as you can imagine. And then Dr. Mueller goes further and says, "I'm going to go further and conclude clu- that it's probably worse than you can imagine." So I'm not going to read you everything here, uh, but some of the some of the ways that this is discussed. Let me go on and read to you a little bit more from this article. Evers quotes and Dr. Mueller quotes Evers as saying, "Quote: Ethnic studies is described in the document as the interdisciplinary study of race." ethnicity, and indigeneity, with an emphasis upon experiences of people of color in the United States. So just as a side note, up front, I don't necessarily have any problem with this specifically. I think it's obviously very good for people in California and around the country to learn about different cultures. I think we, we've we seen something right now where there's a little bit of controversy uh, that's been happening the last uh, couple of days over something the New York Times is calling the 1619 Project. This is an, uh, it's an effort to educate people that right now, this is the 400th anniversary of the arrival of the first enslaved people to the United States. Um, I actually think that's probably a good thing. I, I think that many people, probably myself included, and certainly many other young people and even older people probably have a poor understanding of what the experience has been like historically for, as it's called in here in the ethnic studies curriculum, people of color. Um, I I do think that the uh, African-American community especially has had a uniquely uh, difficult and in many cases horrible experience from the founding of America. Um, I do think that things are obviously much better now. I think that America is not perfect by any means, but I think we've made great strides, and I think we are continuing to make great strides. Um, That being said, giving those caveats out of the way and thinking that there can be some good examples of this, Uh, let me continue to read a little bit more about what this curriculum does and why I think it is problematic. Uh, Mr. Evers goes on to write, it's the study of intersectional and ancestral roots, coloniality, Hegemony and a dignified world where many words, worlds fit for present. Uh, gosh, this is so complicated. Uh, a dignified world where many worlds fit for present and future generations. It is the x-disciplinary, not interdisciplinary, but there's an x, like not ex, but just the letter x. X-disciplinary, loving, critical praxis of holistic humanity. And then Dr. Muller goes on to say, and yes, that is how they spell the words. That is actually part of the problem. In short, this proposal marks an agenda for absolute social transformation in the United States. Um, It is, oh gosh, I'm not even going to read you all of these different quotes. um, Because it is just so incredibly complex and incredibly bonkers. Um, I'm going to skip down a little bit here and see if I can read just a little bit of the closing section here. It is... It's worth it for you to go ahead and read this entire article. And I probably will try to share the entire article. Uh, But Dr. Moeller closes uh, his piece here by uh, noting, he says, uh, talking about an editorial board of the Los Angeles Times, he says, quote, the current draft of the model curriculum uh, and headed to the State Board of Education is an impenetrable melange of academic jargon and politically correct pronouncements. At one point, the curriculum encourages students to advocate for voting rights for undocumented immigrants. The editorial board commented, no problem with that per se, and community engagement is a fine way to involve students in politics and civic life, but there is no mention here or just about anywhere in the curriculum of students who might dare to disagree with the party line. In this case, for instance, some students might think the right to vote in mayoral and city council ideas or uh, city council elections is the prerogative of citizens, not non-citizens, and the L.A. Times says, in parentheses, that's not a right-wing idea, is it? On parentheses. The New York Times, or the L.A. Times, goes on to say they might want to meet with a school district about that. Chances are with a curriculum like this, they'll be afraid to even mention it. Um, so Dr. Moeller then closes the article to say, conservatives sometimes look at the culture and wonder, how could this have happened? How is it that the moral revolutionaries and progressives have made so much headway in the culture at large? As we answer this question we have to remember the centrality of education to the answer. The moral revolutionaries know that to control education is to control the vector of macro culture. Um, The leftward lunge of educational entities now rears its menacing agenda. And be assured that what happens in California will not stay in California. I I strongly encourage you all to read this article. We'll post it underneath the Facebook Live video, Uh, but you can also just go to albertmohler.com, Albert M O H L E R.com, and you can look at the article: "Herstory, Cis-Heteropatriarchy, and the Remaking of America: A New Curriculum Emerges in California." We will come back. We will emerge out of the break on Life, Family, Liberty. to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today on a little bit of a stripped down version of our show. Just me flying solo today, but hope you're all having a great start to your Monday. Had a good weekend, got to celebrate my dad's birthday with some Indian food at home. And enjoyed time with my dad, my brother, my wife, and our little guy Hudson. And... If you are listening at home, Hudson, hello. Daddy loves you very much. Hope you're enjoying breakfast with Mommy. Or it's a little bit late, I guess, but you're you're probably still at least eating something. You, he, he slept in a little bit today, so maybe he's still eating breakfast. Or maybe he's running around. Well, who knows? I'll find out later. But anyway, um, I wanted to share with you all today. I mentioned that in the title of the show that we're going to be talking about uh, the the craziness that's happening up in Sacramento. So I wanted to start by playing a rally or a little bit of an interview. Uh, I know sometimes some of you are driving, you don't get to hear our YouTube videos. Uh, California Family Council, one of the things we do is spend a lot of time up in Sacramento meeting with legislators, trying to engage men and women to talk to their elected officials, to stand up for their values. And we were talking specifically about legislation, uh, the abortion legislation SB24, and we have some audio from a video. Greg Burt, who is our Director of Capital Engagement, or our Capital Outreach Director, He was in Sacramento this last week for a rally against SB24, and he put together a great video. You obviously will not be able to watch the video, but you can listen, and he does a really good job of kind of narrating it. It gets right off the bat starting, though, so I'm going to just describe the opening scene before we start it so you kind of have some context. There's a large group of men and women all wearing yellow shirts that say no on SB24, and there is a woman with a bullhorn and she is kind of the subject of the video her name is Michelle LaMonica and she is talking about her near abortion experience well what does a near abortion experience mean essentially she was pregnant with twins 12 years ago and she decided that her only option was abortion she went to a clinic and after she saw the ultrasound and realized that she was having twins she Changed her mind and she decided to keep the babies. So she has a very strong pro life conviction. We're going to let her story kind of speak for itself and then I'll come back at the end of this segment with some closing thoughts and then we'll continue on. So here is Michelle Monica as interviewed by Greg Burt.
1: Hi, this is Greg Burt from the California Family Council and we are standing out here in Sacramento, about a block off the Capitol, uh, in front of the uh, Catholic Church here. And I'm standing here with uh, Michelle LaMonica yes. and um, she is a pro-life activist. Uh, just recently got involved in politics and she has planned a march today against a particular bill called SB 24. This. Uh, this bill actually is introducing turning our california universities into abortion clinics introducing into their health centers uh what is called a chemical abortion or uh RU486 which is actually a pill that induces a miscarriage uh and it's going to be considered a basic health service and so uh, monica um, not monica uh, uh michelle You
2: can call me Monica. As long as it starts with the nap. Hey, uh, why
1: don't you tell me a little bit about how you got involved in this fight?
2: I got involved in the fight when I was invited to a hearing at the state capitol in Sacramento on June 25th. Wynette Sills, the pro-life activist, invited me to the hearing. Yeah. And I was confused. I was discouraged. I was listening to information that was erroneous in regards to SB 24 and watching these innocent college students hear this information and I just wanted to stand up and and cry out to them and tell them the truth about SB 24 but I was not able to I was only just supposed to say if I was in favor or in in opposition
1: that's right and so you decided to throw a march uh, around the Capitol today, so why don't you tell me about that? How did that come about?
2: Well, Wynette Seals urgently informed me that the decision for SB24 was going into a hearing this week, uh, and so I, she asked me to plan a march for August 13th, an urgent march protesting SB24 before the uh, committee meet in uh, regards to the financing of the bill. That's
1: right. And so have you ever done anything like this before?
2: No. This is (laughs) new to me.
3: Do we love our unborn? Yes! Do we fight SB24 with all our hearts and all our minds? Do we approve of the disposal of human life? No! No. We don't. There are other options. There are churches. There are life centers. There are so many resources, and we want to help them. We want to embrace them. We don't want to judge. We are here to love and support our California families. How many of you want to be taxed on this abortion bill? No. No! None of us want to be taxed. Not on my dime. Not on my dime. Tax me to help the homeless. Tax me to help social services. Give me an amen. Amen.
1: Give me an amen. Amen. Well, tell me a little bit about your own, um, you know, near-abortion story, because I know that's really Made you passionate about the issue of abortion? And
2: I had a near abortion situation. I had an unplanned, uh, I had an unplanned pregnancy. Um, I was raising a teenager all by myself. Mm-hmm. I was scared. I was alone. I had no idea of resources available financially or otherwise to help me. Uh, my parents uh, said, "Please don't call us for help." Uh, So I was scared, I was afraid of losing my job. Um, I went to an abortion clinic and made the appointment for an abortion. Uh, I felt that it was my moral obligation to inform the father uh, of my plans to terminate my pregnancy. Mm Uh, The father urged me to get a second ultrasound. For some reason, he felt that I was having twins because my mother is a a twin. I went the same week to get a second ultrasound and it did reveal identical twins. And I informed him, I felt that it was my moral obligation to inform him. And he said, I want my babies. I, I want my babies please do not have an abortion. This is my family. This is our family. And from that moment on, I decided to keep my twins. And it's the most joyful experience I've ever had in my life. The love, the the unconditional love. They tell me how much they love me, appreciate me, and the the hugs and the kisses. And I, I have a beautiful family and I, I'm so grateful that I kept them.
1: And you have pictures, right?
2: I have pictures.
1: Why don't you show the camera here some pictures? This is us at
2: my mom's birthday party. And your sons are how old now? My sons are 12. They love spending time with family. They love children. They're, they're so grateful to be alive. They're so grateful that I'm their mother. Um, I have other pictures here. I have my son, Luke likes to dress up as an Easter Bunny every year <laughs> because That's right. he loves to make kids happy. Uh, they're just a bundle of joy and they're so loving and grateful. And uh, I can have good days, I can have bad days, and they're still there. My family to love and support me and we love and support each other.
1: So what is your concern about SB 24 and why it's bad for college students?
2: my concern about sb24 is that it's teaching college students that the disposal of life is acceptable Mm -hmm. that the form of birth control is to dispose of human life through a very traumatic process to not only the baby but the mother. Mm-hmm. It imposes serious liabilities to the colleges. It's been proven that the baby can feel this pain and suffering. It cuts off the blood supply. This is a drug. This is not an aspirin. When I listened to the hearing on June 25th, the politicians said to these young, innocent college students, this is an aspirin. This is like taking an aspirin. No. It is not like taking an aspirin. No. Completely different than taking an aspirin. No. Let's not push drugs to our college students. Let's embrace them. Let's give them resources on campus, counseling, resources to embrace them and help them through this life-changing decision. This is a life-changing decision no. that cannot be resolved or shouldn't be resolved with a pop of a pill.
1: Michelle. La Monica's pro-life march against SB24 received great media coverage. SB24 is expected to be voted on by the Assembly by the end of August. And we hope and pray this march will inspire other pro-life Californians to call their Assembly members today and tell them to vote no on this terrible bill. No
3: on SB24.
0: That is the great No on SB24 rally led by Michelle Monica. Thanks to Greg Burt for your Fantastic reporting. And again, there's a little bit of time left in this legislative session to make a difference, to contact your legislator and to let them know how you feel about this bill. We will be talking about that and more when we come back on Life, Family, Liberty. To Life, Family, Liberty. I am your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy Monday morning to you. Hope you're all doing well and enjoying a great start to the week and probably a start to the school year. If you are listening from a certain Central California town that shares, I think, a name also with a Southern California town, and you are the official. Um, masonry lavatory of the podcast, you know who you are. I'll just leave it at that. You can email me or text me later when you finally listen to this and you get the joke. Folks, that's what the show is really about. We like to give some funny little things and see if you can figure out what the inside jokes are on the show uh, without without actually giving the uh, shout outs like we've talked about in the past or actually giving the types of uh, discussions we like to try to drop hints and see if you're a regular listener, you might understand what we're talking about. Okay, so folks, I wanted to keep talking a little little bit about some of the legislation that has been going on. I want to talk about a little bit of the uh, the, the pending uh, schedule of bills that still need to be heard before the legislature leaves town. Uh, Many of you know they have a, we have one of the longest legislative sessions in the country. We start actually in December if you can believe it. We have elections in November and barely four weeks later we are doing new, uh, uh, we're swearing everybody in and people are starting their sessions. And the problem with that is that it gives Sacramento tons and tons and tons of time to discuss things and to uh, play with the uh, legislative uh, the legislative system. Um, some of the bills that we've talked about in the past, we already discussed this ethnic studies curriculum in the first segment. Uh, we've also talked a lot about uh, SB 24, and the. Uh, we're gonna talk about that more in the next segment, the problems of mandating that campuses provide abortions, uh, chemical abortions to all of their students. Uh, but we also want to remind people about AB, um, excuse me, ACR 99. There's so many letters and acronyms. I always get a little bit confused, but <clears throat> ACR 99 is the bill that it's a non-binding resolution as we've talked about. It's a, it's technically a non-binding resolution, but it would essentially bully and begin to demand that Christian institutions in the state of California would offer uh, counseling and support in a way that affirms LGBTQ identities, not that it affirms LGBTQ people and that it gives compassion and love and respect to those people, but That it actually affirms those people in their identities, even if that is contrary to what they believe about scripture, even if it's contrary to the tenets and teaching of their faith. But that's what this bill would essentially do. Uh, That bill has a hearing that is coming up in just the next couple of days. I believe it is actually Tuesday the 27th is the next hearing for that bill so i strongly encourage you if you have not done anything with that bill yet if you have not read about it if you have not learned about it i urge you go to our website californiafamily.org go to the website and you look at the slider up along the top Uh, there is a uh, banner up there that talks about leaders condemn california politicians for eroding rights of pastors and counselors again Leaders condemn California politicians for eroding the rights of pastors and counselors. And what we did at California Family Council was assemble a large group of men and women, uh, professionals in their fields, which included pastors, it included psychologists, it included psychiatrists, it included licensed marriage and family therapists. And we essentially tried to, we put together a opposition letter that hundreds of people have signed on to And we are essentially trying to get people to vocalize their opposition to ACR 99 and let the legislature know why they are concerned. Uh, Again, you can find out more about this. You can go directly to our website, CaliforniaFamily.org. In essence, I want to read you a little bit of the actual letter. And it says, Uh, Religious freedom is an inalienable right recognized within the context of America's religious heritage. It rests upon the insight that human beings of every kind are endowed with equal worth because each and every one of us bears the glorious image of nature's God. Every person in California, therefore, is entitled to the freedom to develop their own sense of identity, whether traditionally unto God or not. Religious leaders have the constitutionally protected right to teach religious doctrine in accordance with their faith and politicians Have no right to tell clergy what is moral, dictate the content of their sermons, or instruct them in religious counseling. It's pretty simple, folks. It's basically just the First Amendment. And that's what ACR 99 is trying to take away. We'll come back with a final segment on today's show for Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. Happy to be with you this fine Monday on this final segment. Hope you are all doing well. having a great start to the school year. Uh, Folks, I don't do this very often on the show, so I want to make sure that I remind people, whether you are listening on the radio, if you are listening on the podcast, or if you are especially at your computer right now, or on your smartphone, or on your tablet, and you are watching us on Facebook Live, I strongly encourage you, urge you, beg you. Please go to our website, californiafamily.org. There is a big sign-up button at the very top, and it will give you the option to sign up for our newsletter. We only send out about one newsletter per week, letting people know about what's happening in Sacramento and ways you can be involved. I also encourage you, right next to the sign-up button is a big donate button. If you would like to make a recurring donation, or if you would like to make a one-time donation, we really appreciate all the financial support we get. It makes it possible for us to do not just this radio show, but all the educational content we put up on the website, all of our mobilization efforts in Sacramento. And uh, I also encourage you, again, if you're online, it feels silly to say this because on YouTube, they always say, you know, smash that subscribe button. So I won't say that because that sounds silly, but I will say go to our Facebook page, go to Twitter, go to YouTube, subscribe to our channels so that you stay up to date with these videos, with, uh, the information we put out beyond. You may not know this folks, but beyond these regular, uh, shows that we do on a weekly basis, we also actually do Facebook live videos from the Capitol sometimes, we also sometimes do interviews with people. We also sometimes do uh, live late-breaking news updates. And be, like I said, because we don't like to spam you with multiple emails per day, some of the best ways to stay up with the late-breaking news is to follow us on those social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Facebook is very simple. You just go to facebook.com slash Family. Twitter is also simple. If you don't have a Twitter account, you really should get one. It's easy. Just go sign up for a Twitter account. Twitter.com slash CA family, like the letters CA. That's our website there. And uh, YouTube is a little bit trickier because they don't let you have a nice, easy URL. But if you just search in the YouTube search bar, California Family Council, you will find us. We're right up there. So, I wanted to remind people that coming up very soon, there's going to be a vote on not just ACR 99, but also on SB 24. Uh, If you've been listening on the radio, you know that SB 24 is the dangerous bill that would mandate campus uh, clubs across the state of California, uh, specifically. The uh, campus uh, campuses, the health centers, excuse me, campus health centers across the state of California. Uh, all across California would be mandated to stock chemical abortion medication. Let me say that again. We're not talking about birth control. We're not talking about the morning after pill. We're talking about chemical abortion medication. Let me go ahead and uh, play for you a interview or a, not an interview but another speech from a rally this is from nick Reynosa, who is the students for life northern california regional coordinator he was here in sacramento and this is what he says about sb24 and why he and so many other people from students for life oppose the legislation
3: good
4: morning pro-life californian <laughs> Can I get all the high school and college-age people up here standing with us? For too long, pro-life Californians have been ignored and hidden. Well, they can't hide us today, and they will hear us today. Yes. Yeah. Just one month ago, a determined group of Californians just like you helped stop SB 360, which nice. was attacking our religious freedom That's and our nice. consciences. And we're going to repeat that here today. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. 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 Woo. SB 24 is based on many lies, but I'm just going to focus on three of them today, and I'm going to tell you what this is really about. And the first lie SB 24 is based on is the argument about access. California is one of just six states that receives the highest grade from NARAL, the National Abortion Rights League. And California subsidizes over 83,000 abortions through Medi-Cal every year already. That's almost 50% of all the publicly funded abortions in this country. And we're only one-eighth of the country's population. The second lie you're going to hear about is this is about efficiency and timeliness. The American Association of Gynecologists and Obstetricians, they have said that chemical abortion is not timely. It requires more effort than surgical abortion. Again, another lie that SB24 is based off of. And the third lie you're going to hear is this is about protecting Roe. This is about expanding Roe. If this was about protecting Roe, then why do we even need SB24 in the first place? We already have Roe. And there's no state that has an SB24-like bill. So clearly, these are disingenuous arguments, and I'll tell you what this is really about. The only grade, the only failing grade that California receives from NARAL is in protecting conscience rights, and California has consistently protected conscience rights, either through the courts or through the legislature. And that's why we've seen this movie before. In 2015, they came for the pregnancy centers, and pro-life Californians were not silent. In 2017, they came for the campuses with SB320, and pro-life Californians were not silent. In 2019, they came for our churches with SB360, and pro-lifers of conscience through all faith were not silent. And every time, we won the day. And we will win again today with SB24.
3: Yeah!
4: So let that recent legacy to our lawmakers and let them know that they will reap what they sow. Whether they hear us in the committees of August or the primaries of March, they will hear us. And whether they respect our conscience rights here in the State House of today or the courthouses of tomorrow, they will respect our conscience rights. Justice can be ignored in our time, but it cannot be ignored for all time, as long as good men, women and men like you demand it of each other. So in that spirit, let's make a promise right now that this march doesn't stop at Capitol Park. It stops. At Ca- it starts at Capitol Park and we're going to continue and we're going to go to our districts in California, everywhere, from Mount Shasta to Mojave, from Eureka to El Centro, and we're going to tell Californians the bill that would be imposed on all of them will be known by all of them for what it is, the most extreme public funding of abortion in this country. So let's run our leg at this race and let's run this terrible bill out of our state thank you yes.
0: that was nick reynosa and you can see he's a great new addition to the california pro-life movement i shouldn't say new addition; he's actually been involved in fighting against not just sb24 but other types of uh, legislation for quite a while he was very active in the last two years fighting against sb320 and he is from the san francisco area and i, I want to point out something that's interesting uh you, you hear he's got a great speaking voice. He's a very uh, passionate. Uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know Nick the last couple years. He is not a typical pro-life advocate. A lot of times when you think of pro-lifers, you think of uh, Catholic uh, individuals, men and women. You think of evangelicals that are running pregnancy centers. Uh, Nick is actually, I believe he is agnostic. He is a secular individual, doesn't have any particular faith tradition or background. Um, and I, I don't know that I would go so far as to say he's an atheist. I cannot remember having that conversation with him if he is just agnostic or actually an atheist. But my point being is that even within the state of California, uh, a lot of times I think it can be discouraging because we look at some of the demographic numbers and we see um, a, lot of the, a lot of the struggles that the people of faith and that the pro-life conservative message has in the state of California. And we can sometimes be tempted to maybe not despair, but at least be a little bit uh, discouraged or frustrated. And I think it's a good reminder when you meet people like Nick, is that there's a whole new generation of men and women who are receptive to our arguments on the sanctity of human life. They are receptive to our arguments on conscience protections, on religious liberty. And even though we may not be able to go to church together for whatever reason, uh, we still have the opportunity to work together to defend the First Amendment rights of freedom of association, of free speech, and of religious freedom. I think it's something that we need to as uh, people of faith in the state of California, remember that we are uh, we're it's not a time for us to be despairing. it's not a time for us to be discouraged. It is instead a time for us to, really redouble our efforts to educate people about God's design for like the title of the show says life family and liberty I think it gives us a huge opportunity a huge avenue to speak into people's lives it gives us a huge opportunity and avenue to learn about uh, our neighbors and ways that we can engage them and it hopefully gives us an opportunity to not just uh not just win the day through sheer numbers, but actually win the day through persuasion. Now, would I love it if we had uh, 80 assembly members and 40 senators that uh, thought and voted just like me? I mean, sure, yes, I guess I would say that's true. I would. Uh, I think probably anybody would say they would love it if their view of government was perfectly res- ref- reflected in the Capitol. But here's a newsflash, everybody. Um, I don't even have one other person who thinks and acts and votes just like me. I'm I'm married to someone who's totally different. So if we're 40 million of us here in the same state, we're going to have to engage in a lot of persuasion. Folks, it's been great to be with you today. We look forward to being with you next week. Again, to all the school children, good luck. To the parents, God bless. And we will see you next week on another episode of Life, Family, Liberty.